Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends. It's the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, coming to you from an undisclosed location. Unfortunately, I cannot be with the group today. I'm going to turn it over to my good buddy, Eddie Guevara, for the introductions and the setup for what's going to turn out to be a great topic of discussion today. So, Eddie, take it away. Hey, guys, how are you today? Hey, Chuck. Okay. How about you, Jason? Good, good. Everybody's good out Everybody's good out there. Well, I, I first of all, I wanted to bring to the attention of a lot of the listeners out there that we have been doing our podcast in Anchor for the last almost two years. And apparently Anchor has been absorbed by Spotify. Spotify actually bought Anchor a couple of years ago, but they finally decided to migrate everything over to Spotify. And for some reason, whatever, I'm just want to let some listeners know that we we had a bunch of subscribers and stuff, and somehow they're not showing up anymore. Uh, we were over 7,000 subscribers. Um, I think uh, they did tell me, according to Spotify, to give it a few days for the analytics to pick up. But I'm just saying, if any of you guys out there are having trouble picking us up or listening to us, uh, you know, just give it this hope. Uh, we're not off the air. <laughs> we're, we're still there. But anyway, uh, Chuck... Uh, Give us some updates, some good stories for today's episode. We've had a couple of good ones. Yeah, no problem. I tell you what, it's been it's been crazy with magic, man. I mean, I've been doing a lot of traveling. It's just ridiculous. The month of May is insane. And uh, so I'm off today and my next show starts up uh, Saturday for the weekend. But it's been it's been one after the other. But hey, I'm not complaining. I'm thankful and busy. And we did manage to do a couple of videos. I believe you have a few in queue. One is at Kennywood Park here, a theme park just outside of Pittsburgh, about 25 miles east of Pittsburgh in West Mifflin, PA. We actually took a video of the inside boat ride. It's an old boat ride called the Old Mill. And we went into like a haunted type of a mansion thing, which is like a, where, you, where you hold a t-shirt and you shoot different targets. And then the piano player plays, a, sc- a skull pops out of the barrel and so forth. So that's a really cool video. So all the listeners out there, make sure you make sure you check it out on the upcoming uh, Chuck's Corner. And, uh, yeah, I mean, things have been great. Things have been very, very busy. And, uh, uh, yeah, pretty, well, pretty good. I was going to say, yeah, that video in particular, I just queued it in for this uh, Friday night at 7 p.m. That video is going to be this week's Chuck's Corner. Great. It, it's a little different. It's a little longer. But, I mean, I, I thought it would be real cool and people will enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I did like the old uh, mill. Oh, that that is a you know that's a Pittsburgh uh, staple here, and we did find Laughing Cell. Now they had refurbished Cell, and they painted her. She looks a little bit too new, to be honest with you. And uh, they took off her freckles and everything, and and they put her in a new housing, like a box type of thing. And there's no sound, so you can't oh. hear that. Yeah, you cannot hear that cryptic uh, that's laugh. The most disturbing part. Yeah, that's the most disturbing part, Jason. That's what scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. But uh, uh, but I did get her, her on video, and it's it's the original one from the Philadelphia Toboggan Company back in the 30s. She's like six foot ten inches tall. I mean, she's huge. She's and, bigger uh, than you, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. 
Hey, Chuck, uh, do you think, because if it did have the speakers in the front, maybe what happened is, is it was out of order or it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. I don't see why, why it wouldn't be laughing. It would be stupid to even have it there. You know what I mean? Yeah, she was going through the motions. You know, from what I saw on the Internet, she has a very basic, like a transmission type of thing with a worm gear type of thing where it'll jolt her head up and down and her arms will shake. And so she was moving, no problem at all. But, uh, yeah, there was absolutely no sound, you know, which you'll see on the video. We were a little bit disappointed with that, but you know what? If I would have known, I would have brought my own sound. I have a double <laughs> recording, and I would have put it on. Well, why didn't uh, Sherry just record her and you laughed? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, she should have, you know. But I think that was the longest video we ever made, Eddie. Uh, Sherry had spliced different excerpts throughout the whole Kennywood Park, and uh, it lasted about 17 minutes. I think that's the, by far the longest video we ever made. I don't particularly care for long videos, but this one – is a is a very unique one, so it is well well worth it to you yeah. know to spend that time. You know, uh, the old mill ride was really phenomenal because, like I said, I love all those old fashioned rides for like haunted houses, what they call dark rides. Right. And mm-hmm. and most of the rides actually, the toboggan company actually made all the, for I think throughout the United States for all the dark rides they used to make the buggies and stuff. Right. I think they also made the buggy for, um, if I'm correct, for the haunted mansion. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think they did a lot. I think, I mean, I could be wrong in that information, uh, but I remember hearing the toboggan company being the one that made the the doom buggies. Now, what I was going to say to you, I I was kind of disappointed that the old mill was lit up inside. Yeah, the uh, the figures were all fluorescent, it seems like. Now, believe it or not, that's a vast improvement, Eddie. When I was a kid many years ago, back in the late 60s, early 70s, all through the 80s and part of the 90s uh all the attractions inside that were covered with like a chicken wire i mean it was like really bad shape it was it was just so bad it was ridiculous but yeah there was a big uh you know a screen of chicken wire that covered everything up so you really had a hard time seeing it just looked cheesy so they did protect it from beer bottles and coke cans and yeah i guess that and yeah i guess they didn't want any kids jumping off the boat maybe going in there now but uh, but for some reason like in the last few years, from my understanding, it's it's all opened up. So believe it or not, that's a vast improvement. Kennywood Park was a family-owned park for over 100 years. I guess about 20 years ago, they sold it to a Spanish firm, I believe, and they own over 400 different types of amusement parks. And they actually stepped it up. They made it better, believe it or not. Uh, things were going pretty pretty bad there for a while, but this place, I guess they reinvested and they, I tell you what, it, it was the best that I've ever seen it. It was nice and clean. All the rides were in good shape. Uh, we did ride the Thunderbolt, which is a wooden coaster. It was really popular. It was called the King of Coasters in 1968. And uh, it's a it's a pretty cool coaster. I mean, it does, it does wake you up. I don't particularly care for the steel type of coasters because I think they push the envelope a little uh, too far. But uh, uh, But I like the old wooden ones. You know, uh, when you're talking about the old wooden, when you compare it to Coney Island Cyclone, I, I think Coney Island Cyclone is a little older than that. But yeah. I think if you notice, they all have a similarity on it, all the cultures. Now, I know Coney Island, uh, they almost had to shut it down a few years ago. And then uh, I guess a bunch of people raised enough money to keep it open because it's been open for almost like 100 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember writing that as a kid. And I thought that the most funniest thing about it was is that you went down the huge hill and all that stuff and everything was fine. But when you went at the end, when, it, when you were almost ready to, to get out, there was one particular small hill that made you get off your seat, you know? 
I, I still remember that. But like I said, you know, coaster days are way gone for me. Um, yeah. I, I hate anything to do with that. <laughs> I used hey, to love those rides. And then it was a few years and then I had kids and then we were going on a ride. And then I discovered that my stomach does not like those rides anymore. That's exactly what happens to me. I can't take it, man. I used to have no problems, but now it's... You know what? A... I, don't, I don't like things that spin. The older I get, I can't take anything that even remotely spins. My kids took me uh, on a ride somewhere. I think it was in Erie. And uh, there was things that spun a little bit like those cups. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, those cups made me so nauseous. Tilt-a-whirly? Yeah, something like that. I, I was really ready to throw up. I mean, I was really sick. I well, can't think of anything that spins. The, uh, funny, similar story to you, though. Uh, I'm the opposite. I could take spinning. doesn't hurt me. But if I do any drop, my stomach just cannot take it. Okay? <laughs> I I got, and this was so freaking embarrassing. This is my, my oldest daughter is 36. So let's say she must have been five, six years old at the time. And we go to Kingsburg Amusement Park. Now, we're in a park, obviously, that it's the second oldest in the country, I think, whatever it is. And they had not the teacup. They had a worm. Okay. The worm only went up for little kids. <laughs> and and the worm, you know, went over a couple little hills. And But what I'm saying, it wasn't a roller coaster. It was just like the teacups that go around. So mm-hmm. the worm is connecting in the middle and it goes up and down, up little hills and stuff. And I got on it with her. And the expression I made when it went down the first <laughs> hill was like, oh, my God. And my wife says to me from us, didn't you get embarrassed? Goes, Maria, what do you want me to do? You know, it was horrible, man. Yeah. yeah you get older, you can't take those rides. Yeah, I can't take. But the last time, 1984, Chuck, is the last time, I think, or 85, I rode Lightning Loops in Coney, um, in Great Adventure in New Jersey. Yeah. That was the very last time I ever rode anything, and that's the the loop roller coaster that goes upside down and stuff. Yeah. He's a killer. That would be rough. You know what? Mm-hmm. Sherry's Sherry's more of a daredevil than I am. She could ride just about anything. Yeah, women do that. <laughs> Same thing with my wife. And my wife is sixty two. She can do that. She uh, she can ride it. I can't. Um, but I'm going to tell you the one thing. I found out that when you drop backwards, because I mean, lightning loops. You you know, it drops forward. I mean, it's kind of like. You know, here you go. It's kind of like when they called that, um, what was the name of that? Uh, it had a, a name. I mean, I know they have it in Walt Disney. They have Tower of Terror. Oh, yeah. Similar, but I think it was called Freefall. I think it was called Coney Island. Oh, yeah. You know, where they push you out and then choo, they throw you down at 100 feet. Right. Well, the thing with that is what I'm saying is that in the lightning loops is kind of the same. You get on the coast, it's, you're not going up a little hill and then coming down. It's just... You get on the coaster, you got to go up like 10 floors to get on it. And then it's like, choo, you go down and you spin around in two circles. And then you go to the other side and then, choo, you go backwards. When wow. you fall backwards, it's not as bad as when you fall forward. That's the mm-hmm. deal I'm trying to say. Wow. So the backwards part is more endurable. And that's why you see when astronauts take off and stuff, they're always on their back. They're always on their mm-hmm. back. Yeah, I, I think the G4, when you fall backwards, your body can sustain it better than when you go forward. And that's the only thing I could say about that. But anyway, uh, getting back to some of the topics here that I wanted to ask. Um, Joe, how's your, uh, oh, Jason, I'm sorry, I'm saying Joe, how's your uh, search for karate books? Did you come across anything new anything? Um, what did I come across recently but I got a, uh, a second copy of the world's deadliest fighting secrets on a I ran across one on eBay and I was surprised to see that a later I have an original I think from 1968 
And it has no other advertisements other than the content of the book. But the later copy, which I think is from the early 70s, is selling the, the Weeder self-defense course. It's got, an, it's got ads all over it. Uh, so he, he didn't miss a trick with that book. <laughs> That's interesting. You know what? I have two copies, too. And now that you've mentioned that, I, I don't remember if it has any ads in it. Um, that's very interesting. I'm about, about to ask you to, um, to ooh, from outer space, <laughs> outer space, from outer space. Um, I love the way, uh, really love the way that, that you'll get something going through, especially when you have it on uh, airplane mode. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting. Uh, so the, the whole thing, basically, what I was saying is, is that you could uh, have, different companies that were selling but uh what probably happened was he started in 1968 selling yep. it and maybe he saw he could sell ads in it because of the amount and he, he was charging joe weeder that's interesting mm -hmm. yeah there was yeah there was ads for that there was weight loss ads and then there was a i think two two weight loss ads and a joe weeder so he was wow. making some some cash i guess yeah I what joe joe weeder was a master of of different types of advertising i remember in the 70s the 80s i used to read his magazine was it Muscle and Fitness, I think, Jason, something like that? Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, that guy had circulations all over the world, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Looking at his uh, his self-defense course, the quality of the artwork in there is so uh, head and shoulders above anything else I've seen, really. Like, they spent yeah. some money on that production. Of, I guess he had the uh, the machinery already in place right. with his, his, his uh, weightlifting courses and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the thing that's kind of funny what you're saying about that is that Joe Weider, um, I mentioned it before, used to be located out of Union City, New Jersey, mm -hmm. uh, way back, I guess, in the early 70s. But did you know he's Canadian? No, I didn't. I think I, I, think I did remember that. I think I did hear that. Yeah. Yep. Now you got to go to New Jersey if you want to get in the mail order. So. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing that was funny, though, is that I, I, you know, when I was, I don't know, about 13, 14 years old, um, Actually, no, a little older. I'm sorry, because I was say, I think I was like 15, 16, give or take. And my friend used to work in the building. He worked in a factory uh, packaging products in the building where Joe Weider used to have. Now, that's probably why he was able to print that, because it's the, the building itself is a warehouse. It's a mm -hmm. huge warehouse. It's about 10 stories. And I'm talking about those warehouses you see, like in Brooklyn, New York and stuff, where you can have high lows and in the floors because I'll take the floor. I mean, this is an industrial warehouse and Joe Weeder was located in this building there. And I I mean, the reason was kind of funny because I went there to work with my friend and I quit the same day. I'm like, I'm not working here. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like $3 an hour minimum wage. And I'm like, heck no, I'm not going to work in a warehouse when I make more and whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, that's that was Joe Weeder's uh, thing, and I found that out about maybe five six years ago that I was looking at an old ad, and I go, my God, this is the building I used to work in, and it was, uh, you know, ironically, it was I think the floor under me that where I worked there that had Joe Weeder housed in there. Um, I mean, you know, some of the examples I went one time to the D Robbins company. You know, D Robbins is a supplier of magic tricks and novelties. Oh yeah, they're known by the famous name Easy Magic. Easy Magic, Easy Magic. yep, yep. And um, they were located right underneath the Brooklyn Bridge in a, in a building there. And I remember going there. And when I went to go inside the building, the elevator was one of those old-fashioned 1940s elevator 
that uh, you could kind of see the chains in both sides. It had like glass in, in one of the doors. Wow. When I saw that thing, I'm like, I'm not getting in this crap. No matter what they pay me, you know, I'm not gonna... So I said, I'm going to go up the stairs because I don't trust this elevator, right? <laughs> and this is crazy. When I went up the stairs, the railings, <laughs> there was none. Uh, there was only one, basically looked like a hot water pipe. Wow. Uh, you know, like retrofit. Yeah. And the thing was that you could fall down and the stairs weren't that thick. And I went up there to like the seventh or eighth floor and I'm like, this is crazy. Wow. <laughs> And, and and that's how those buildings were at the time, you know, and what they did, still are. I mean, what did to, that place look like inside, Eddie? Because Robbins was huge. They used to wholesale to the whole no, world, you know. You know, Robbins might have been huge as a company, which is very surprising. But when you went there to the location they were in Brooklyn, yeah. and they were there, I think, for over 50 years. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? Just do you guys remember, Jason? I don't know if mm -hmm. Canada has does Canada has those houses that when you go into, let's say, the living room, you go to the main living room, and then they call them, uh, they call them train train apartments, like one after the other, like the the, the rooms are one after the other. Not like, that I've ever seen. Well, if you go to New Jersey and New York, most houses they were built in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. Uh, the reason they're, they're named train because say you're going to the living room. You open the door to the living room, and then right next to the living room, the kitchen will be like to the left or right, and then each room as you go through each room to go to the last room. Oh, okay. So they're all sequential connected. To they're right. They're all connected. So that's called train. So that's when you went to D. Robbins's place. You went into this. If I remember, you went to like a, just a big empty room. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly. You know, to be honest, with you, what was in that room? But I know when you went. He had dividing, uh, there was like four rooms to it, and it was it was divided by steel mesh doors. Isn't that something? So we're, we're talking about like warehouses that, you know how they put dividing, um, if you go into, a, I don't know if you guys have ever been to like a UPS or something right. warehouse. Um, there's this, even when you have a van, like an Econoline van, the older vans that right. uh, commercial, that there's a divider that's made out of steel. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. Well, the, it's kind of like it went up to the ceiling and it covered each side of the wall. So it was each room was divided by that. And I could tell you, all they had were boxes and boxes mm -hmm. of of things on the floor open. What? Like nothing was organized. Oh, and uh, Paul Freed was the owner. And he was like three rooms down. You went in, you know, was, if I remember, you know, I'm trying to remember. So you saying that, Chuck, because I was there. About five or six times. I wasn't there singly one time. I got to remember a little bit more right now. But um, I do remember that he was like in the second or third room. He had an, an office there. He's sitting there in this old chair. Oh, yeah. That was leather and wood. Like a really old mm -hmm. office chair. Must have gone back to the 1920s. Wow. Um, it was not, I mean, S.S. Adams was very organized in a sense. Uh, it, it gave you the feel of a warehouse, you know. Uh, not a field because it was a warehouse and, and mm -hmm. you went inside. And of course, uh, the best way to describe this um, and Jason, I don't know in your neck of the woods, if it's like that, but if you ever go to a U.S. postal office and you go to a post office, that has been around a hundred years. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> the, the look of the post office inside, how yeah. they have the old radiators. And right. That's exactly yep. what SS Adams would look like. Mm. That's exactly what, uh, you know, the other place would look like. Yeah. The but the only difference with the twist to it was that it in D. Robbins, everything was on the floor, you know, like everything was a mess. 
Uh, to be honest with you, I remember him getting me, um, uh, there was 25 lessons in, not 25 lessons, easy, easy lessons in hypnotism or easy, whatever it was called. Yeah. And they, he had to actually go through a box there, one of his workers, and they opened like two boxes to get the copy. So they, they weren't like organized. They weren't organized. Yeah. And, you Imagine know how long it took to pack, pack shipments. Jeez. Well, pack, pack I, orders. He had several people working. He had about three or four guys working there. Mm-hmm. Um, older, what you would probably call today some migrants. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were working there. Uh, they were um, they were nice people. They have a. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul himself was kind of like a guy, a little bit overweight, more than you want to be. Over, you know, pretty overweight. Uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I mean, the guy was all right. You know, he, he yeah. was nice to me. I can't say he treated me bad or anything. I bought a few items. Sure. Um, I tell you what, Eddie. Back when I first started getting into magic in like the early '80s, I mean, Robbins and Mac Magic. I mean, they were probably the main suppliers to magic shops across the world. That that's what I'm saying. That, it, that but but you know what? You know what, Chuck? If you anybody, Jason, you, have you ever been to the U.S.? Have you ever been to New York? Uh, I've been through New York. I haven't spent much time at all in New York. I think I've seen the airport. Oh, okay, the airport. If you go to New York and you go downtown, here's the best way to describe the stores of the 1970s and the warehouse. If you go downtown in New York and you go to, uh, let's say, um, 34th Street by the Empire State Building, whatever, most of the stores there are wholesale stores. You know what I'm saying, Chuck? Right, right. So when you walk into any of the stores, it's like a 10 feet wide by 20 feet deep store. Mm-hmm. And everything's, you know, how packed in both sides with boxes and then right. it's up in the wall and you're trying to make your, your way back to the store. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything's in the middle. <laughs> Messy. That That's basically the best way to describe uh, Honor House, um, Johnson mm-hmm. Smith. Uh, I like I was saying, I never got to go into actually Johnson Smith. I met up with Craig Taubeck, but we he drove to meet me because you know I didn't actually get into the Johnson Smith. I saw the building on the outside and stuff. But what I was going to say to you though is that when they moved to Florida, they were a lot more organized. Yeah, oh yeah. They, but in Michigan, the the warehouses they did, and and just like because I did go into the Honor House warehouse and stuff. It, it was just, it's just a huge warehouse. They got the old steel shelvings that weigh like a ton of piece. You know, like if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's <laughs> Home Center, those, those shelvings like, you know what? I should have said, I just didn't even think of that. I'm sorry. Home Depot, Office uh, or Lowe's Home Center. Yeah. Any of those places. When you go inside to the lawn department and stuff, that that's probably the best way to compare a mm-hmm. mail order company back in the 70s wow that's exactly what it looked like it's old the, the steel shelvings there's probably dust everywhere that was there from the time christopher columbus <laughs> came to the United States. uh and then you have uh usually when they they will put and sort out the mail stuff where they do mailings and stuff there's just boxes they have a lot of little cubicles in it mm. and each of the stuff would be there i mean it's fun don't get me wrong mm-hmm. yeah actually you know what this is very exciting talking about joe weeder and stuff there is online, uh, I think you might be able to see it on YouTube uh, and look for A&E, the channel A&E put out back, I guess, in the 90s. The guy who owns the Charles Atlas Company, 
mm-hmm. put out a, a history of the Charles Atlas Company, and you can see the workers mailing out the hundreds of courses, and you can see how the warehouses look. That would be the best way to, mm, to yeah. show that. That'd be interesting. And, and now I'm well. saying that because I actually was in a couple of them. I When I used to go to the Franco-American Novelty Company to buy products from my magic shop, I would go there in person, obviously. And um, it was fun, man, going into those warehouses. I, I, I mean, to me, I felt good. I felt at home because, it, and, and even today, some of the times I go to my storage facility and my wife is like, wow, you're so messy because I have so many boxes. But you know what, to be honest with you guys, it kind of reminds me when I was younger going to those stuff. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of fun because it feels like I'm in that era. Yeah, it feels uh, like stepping back in time man because you know what sometimes when i go in my unit i, I got it pretty or- organized i like to just sit in there man and just look around it's just it's just really cool you know hey but betting you know what getting back to robbins robbins imported a lot of things from sam dalau sam Dal- sam's magic shop from uh, india oh sam yeah he mm-hmm. i've read some of his uh newsletters yep. he had there yeah, now Sam DeLau made some pretty good stuff, and he made it dirt cheap. And he, so Robbins bought it off of them wholesale. So I don't know what they would sell for, but throughout the years, yeah, Sam DeLau, Sam's Magic Service, they made a lot of things that uh, that Robbins had imported, you know, from different types of apparatus magic, boxes that look empty with a mirror going uh, diagonally, you know, mirror boxes, black arts. I mean, it was it was some pretty cool stuff. Oh, you know what? Um, I... You kind of threw me off in that. I, I wonder if I, I that name doesn't ring a bell right now. Sam Delau. Yes, Sam Delau. He, he he still may be alive. If he is, he's up there. I mean, he must be in his eighties. But that is crazy. Uh, you you know what, Chuck? Though honestly, uh, I do know that when I met up with Wagman, the owner of Honor House, and I asked him, "Hey, where do you got?" Because what I was originally trying to say is, "Where did you buy the seven foot Frankenstein from?" Like uh, the plastic versions and stuff, and he said, we, well, you know, he didn't give me specifics, but he said, we do use two companies in China. Mm-hmm. So they used to import most of their stuff from China, which is true because, you know what? When you look at a lot of the products, they re, they've been repackaged. But right. Like a, a good example. I was watching the other day, Michael Diamond. Now, we've spoken with Michael Diamond. I've tried to get him on now once or twice, but, of course, we're working on a six-hour difference. Yeah. And uh, he's over in, in the UK. And... I noticed he has a YouTube channel, but he does most of his of his videos on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And he does unboxings in Facebook. I mean, unfortunately, the, the problem with that is that you really can monetize <clears throat> money off videos. So if it says, for example, that for some crazy reason, your video gets 6 million views on Facebook, you're, you're really not going to get any money, you know? No. If you were on YouTube, that's a different story. But mm-hmm. I was watching some of his unboxings, and apparently he he received a box of old novelties, like from the 70s. And he purchased it from, I guess, some magic supplier in the U.S. Oh, was that the clip that you sent me, Eddie? I did watch that. That was pretty neat. He had a okay. box. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Michael Diamond. Is that him? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and um, he was telling me that, you know, I, I mean, watching that and stuff, uh, if you look at some of the items he opened up out of that clip, you'll notice that it's the same American items mm-hmm. with different packaging. For example, Franco America always packaged their own, what they call the foaming lighter. Now, what a foaming lighter is, it's just a regular big lighter 
Mm-hmm. That in, they, I guess they would buy them without anything inside, without any fuel. And I'm talking about the big plastic lighters. They used to be in the early 80s and stuff. You could actually buy the fuel and, you know, fuel them. Right. Had the thing in the bottom. And instead, he would have what would be like a shaving cream, basically bottled up. And then you would stick it underneath the thing. And then the shaver, what you would do is when you flick the lighter on, it would shoot it up with pressure. <laughs> Yeah, he said. Uh, he said in the video that the uh, cream was uh, pretty much disintegrated, or it was old; it wasn't working anymore. Right, but I'm saying the packaging. Yeah. That means that that particular item is one example how different companies packaged it. Right. Uh, and then Frank America packaged it, but it's, it wasn't like an original item from them. You know. Oh, right. I like now, that. One, I like that one toy that uh, that he uh, that he unpacked, Eddie. It was the, the pic, sand picture, picture sand, where, where, he, where the guy was drinking and. Sand went down the bottle, and then it showed him. We flip it over. He was sitting on a toilet, and sand was going uh, into the toilet. That was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that's an old. You know what? Something. It's funny. I. I don't know if I. I don't know if I ever did buy it or not, Chuck. But that particular item, there was a magic shop on Forty Second Street in Times Square, New York. Yeah. And when I was about 12, 13 years old, my parents once in a while would drive me by there. It was called like Wacky Macky or something like that. It's a weird name. Mm-hmm. Um, you might even be able to get some old pictures of Times Square. and You might be able to see the shop there. But that shop did have a side that had risque kind of tricks. Right. Like, you know, like, for example, especially I think a lot of those were made uh, by um, mm-hmm. Love Company. Oh, yeah. Fish, fish Love. Fish. Yeah, Fish Love, I think, made a lot of yeah. them. And right. I mean, Fish Love. Yeah. You ever heard of Fish Love? <laughs> No, I've never heard of Fish Love. Oh, my God. Fish Love goes back to the 1950s. We got some crazy names out here, uh, Jason. (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) Uh, You know what, Jason? You might not remember the name Fish Love, but I'm sure you remember a lot of their products. Uh, Yeah, probably would recognize some of their products. Yeah, because they made a lot of the novelty products. And, um, I mean, there was also Accoutrements. Accoutrements is a more modern, I think, started in the early 80s. And what Accoutrements did is they uh they actually reproduced a lot of the original items and repackaged mm-hmm. them with antique uh kind of packaging um now another thing for not only accoutrements there's also rocket usa mm-hmm. and sh- shinglings or shing i'm how do you pronounce the name i think shinglings yeah something like they, they remake or the original tin robots they remake a lot of the stuff and they become very popular i used to actually um I had a, I have an account with Rocket USA and one with Shilings. Shilings, I think, is what it is, and I, that goes back to the early '80s when they they started. And I remember um, ordering uh, the one I think was from Rocket USA. They made the Gort, the robot, uh, which was uh, a wind up model of it. And I bought like I think it was like four dozen of those, and I used to sell them for like fifty dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. I still have like six left in the original uh, boxes. Uh, mint condition because I, I just kept it for myself because I didn't want to sell out completely. Yeah. Um, some do today $75, $100. Like I said, I still have six because I did keep them on purpose. Just like uh, Pointer Products was still in business when, you know, when I got married, when I started the business. Pointer Products, are you familiar with them, uh, Jason? No, I don't think so. Okay, Pointer Products makes the Adams Family thing bank, the little black box that the hand comes out and grabs the coin. Right. Um, 
Are you familiar with that box, uh, Jason? Uh, well, I've seen ones like that for sure, the hand coming out. And I think I've seen a skeleton hand, I think, is the one I've seen. But... No, no yeah. that's, that's, that's actually originally made by a company called Yone, Y-O-N-E, in mm -hmm. Japan. Uh, but then, of course, there were cheap Chinese versions, knockoffs that came from Taiwan. Um, that, that box with the skeleton, it's called in the Johnson Smith catalog, greedy fingers bank right and mm -hmm. when johnson smith used to sell that they used to sell the tin version which i think was out of japan the real nice one with a cloth where the hand comes out and then they of course uh made it plastic where the same place where the hand came out uh was a plastic cloth instead of uh you know like they made so many variations of it throughout the years but Pointer Products was originally known for the Adams Family Thing Bank. They made the Dracula Bank. It was the same black box with different names on it. Then they made the Anti-Bank, uh, which threw the coin back at you. Yeah, uh, famous Monsters of Filmland has one called Monster in the Box. Are you familiar with that one, Jason, from Famous uh, No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, failing my test. Jeez. Yes. Uh, no, the thing with Famous Monsters of Filmland... Uh, that's, you know, most likely everybody knows that magazine to mm -hmm. be as the granddaddy of all monster magazines, really. And what they did is they used to advertise uh, this thing called Monster in the Box. In fact, if you Google it, I'm sure you'll see it, uh, Jason. Uh, it's a little black box and you would turn on the handle and then it would grind, move up and down a little bit. And then a hand came out slowly, turned itself off and shot back in real quick. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I have, I, I became in the in the early '80s in search of all the stuff that Honor House sold that I didn't have. I came across, and well, th this is the the storyline with this. In in eighty something, I noticed that there was as a kid, I saw an ad for a haunted house mystery bank that it stated a ghost would come to the door. Ooh, yeah, that I saw the ad. What exactly was that, Eddie? That looked cool. No, no, that's that's the ghost thing that I I have like ten of them right now. Actually, Chuck, oh. it's called uh -huh. the Haunted House Mystery Bank, uh -huh. and it's a bank that ghost comes out to the door and snatches the coin. Okay. But later on, in mid eighties, I noticed I was looking for that ad as a kid, and I would buy a lot of comic books looking for the ad, and I'm like, what the heck is the Haunted House Mystery Bank ad? Because I, I found the bank, but I didn't have the ad. And I looked and looked. And then finally, I came across several comic books that had the ad. Because, it, it, it you know, the ad is from, like, really early 1970. I think, like, 71, they already stopped running the ad. And I realized the ad said that a hand came out. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> that's that's not the ad. The ad I was looking for was it said a ghost. And I remember reading the, the comic, and it had a ghost. So I mm -hmm. found both ads, but later on the ghost ad, even though to this day kind of allured me, it was kind of, it was a little different from what I remember as a kid, unless I had looked at the ad that said the, you know, the hand came out and I mistakenly thought it was the ghost. Cause I mean, things do happen like that where you think in your mind, you saw something, right? It, mm -hmm. but I mean, with other things, I'm very certain, but I wasn't certain exactly as to what ad, I had, I mean, I, I remember the ad, but I, anyway, to make, going back to what I was saying, when I came across the one with the hand, 
uh, I went on a mad search. And I'm, I mean, I was searching all over the place to find the bank because unlike the Greedy Fingers Bank that you have a hand that comes out, it's a coffin shape. Well, this bank, when Honor House describes the bank, it describes it perfectly as a battery-operated bank that's eight inches by eight inches by whatever, which is an exact duplicate of the one that the ghost comes out. And it's made of metal. It's, it's uh, you know, tin, tin litho and plastic. Now, in the search, I think in 1998, 97, whatever, I was, my, my sister-in-law came from Florida. And when she came from Florida, she, I was in Walden Books inside a mall while her and my wife went around the mall. And I saw the ad in a book about battery-operated toys. And I said, wow, this is, the, this is the bank that they were talking about in Honor House. Now, the thing that's kind of funny about it, though, is that it did say battery-operated. But what I can recall from looking at the photograph, which I didn't obviously look for it, I mean, looked at it too, too long, it kind of looked that there is a bank called the Mystery Bank or the Mystery, the Haunted House Mystery Bank, which is also called just like the other one I just mentioned with the batteries and the ghost coming out. Mm -hmm. But a hand comes out, but it's made by that company, um, Yonaro, something like that, not Yon, but another company out of Japan. And it's actually a windup. They do make a version of it called Frankenstein's Hand that goes for like 700 bucks. It's the same exact bank. The only thing it says Frankenstein on the side. Um, I do have, again, a copy of every of those banks. In fact, in my search, I think I obtained every single battery-operated bank <laughs> that they ever made. Okay, um, I have over 30, 40 of them uh, just along of the Adams Family Thing Bank. From the original ones to right. bronze, um, I basically bought every pointer product bank, including one that was called the Miser Bank, the Uncle Sam Bank. Um, the Miser is the same thing as Monster in the Box, but it has what looks like a big giant spark plug in the top. It's supposed to be a Miser, you know, like he's inside the box. You turn the electricity on, and the thing moves, and then the hand comes out and turns itself off. Um, anyway. What I was saying is that the existence of the bank with the hand on the side is real. I got collaborated by two other people who told me about it. One is a guy that goes under the name Monster Bob. And he frequently goes to a forum that's called Universal Monster Army, mm. which I remember, you know, I used to put a lot of ads there and I was a member for many years. Um in Universal Monster Army, I called Bob because Bob has sold him. He goes, Eddie, in the 1980s, I had one that had the hand that came out. It's exactly like the ghost bank, but I sold it. So he also collaborated that it exists. So I know that there is one out there. I remember seeing the ad, but I got to be honest, in my mind, it looked kind of like a rectangular bank, not a square bank what mm -hmm. I saw in the ad, but it's battery operated. So that's what kind of threw me off as, is that the one that I actually saw? Oh, it might, anyway, be, might be out I, there somewhere, huh? Just like your robot plans. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, the whole, the whole thing, what I was going to say about that though, is that that particular book, I bought about 40 books of battery operated toys and nothing. Now I did come across a weird bank, which is a yellow and orange bank. I think it is. And then, 
you know, you put a coin in it. It has like a witch that spins around inside. And apparently a hand comes out of the chimney and grabs the coin. And I thought it might have been that one. So I bought that one. I don't know, for like 80 bucks, whatever. Later, I was offered $1,000 for it. Wow. Um, I got in contact with a guy who wrote a book about battery-operated toys a few years back. And this guy is an expert, supposedly have collected every battery-operated toys. And I called him and told him about that particular orange or yellow bank I have. Mm -hmm. I actually have two of them. That's a funny thing. And he said to me, I've never heard of it. <laughs> wow. That, that's how rare the bank is. No wonder they were offering me $950 by a guy in Chillet Peter. Um, I didn't sell it to him uh, because of the rarity. Because mine is actually in mint condition, a box. The box is in perfect shape. It's got no dents, nothing. Then um, after that particular thing, a guy that worked with me in the hospital, one day the hospital told me to display, you know, like when you go into any hospital, a lot of times by the gift shop. Oh, yeah, they got a window display thing. Right, right. They have windows. Oh, yeah. they have a glass display case in the center of the lobby where they mm -hmm. display different things. Well, where I used to work, they had a big four feet wide by six feet tall glass display case with about five shelves. And they asked me if I could display my collection there. So I went in with two trunkfuls of, you know, robots, um, like the works. Mm -hmm. I went in and my son did a marvelous job. He did a phenomenal job in displaying everything for me. Uh, people would come take pictures. Well, in there, I had the bank with the ghost in the original box. And one of the workers said to me, hey, Eddie, you see that bank? I have one in Puerto Rico from when I was a kid that my mother still has it in mint condition. He said, but the only difference is mine has a hand. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> I go, so you, you are telling me that this bank does really exist because I've been in search of it for years. And well, anyway, because I've been looking for that particular bank, which Jason, this is another thing I'm going to give you to do some research on. <laughs> Uh, send me all the pictures and I'll tell you if I have it or not. But, mm. uh, it's a bank. If you look at the honor, just if you look up Haunted House Mystery Bank, you Google that. Yeah. And you, you're going to see the original ad from Honor House. And it's it's a hand-drawn ad. It doesn't show the actual picture. It's just a hand-drawn, uh, which is a really cool-looking, creepy ad. And it's it's line art. So it's not going to be mm. like really elaborate art. It's just line art. And it says... Haunted House, it gives you the measurements, it gives you the size, and it's battery operated. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. There is a possibility, a possibility, because, I mean, like many ads from the 70s, they kind of geared you to the wrong thing, and, and you, you thought you were getting something that was opposite. Like a good example is the ad for the six-foot uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, and Wolfman. It stated that you got a life-size Wolfman. Now, for years, I was in search of that six-foot Wolfman, which for some reason also eluded me. I'm like, why is it that nobody ever ordered it? Like, what are the chances of that happening? Well, there was a guy that he used to be known as the Unknown Primate. That was his name in uh, Universal Monster Army. Oh, wow. Um, he became really good friends with me. And in fact, he actually drew for me he used to love Bigfoot and he would make model Bigfoots 
out of not cement. I, I forgot what he used to use resin or something. And he actually made a model for me, but unfortunately the guy had a heart attack and died. Um, just while actually he probably, he probably didn't eat enough bananas. huh? <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you know, what's kind of crazy because he was such a, a wonderful person, man. And he died. You know, it's funny when you say you need, you need magnesium. Uh, what is it? <laughs> magnesium. I forget mm. what potassium. Yeah, potassium. potassium yeah. Anyway, um, he actually, one day I saw him talking to one of the, uh, or they were talking on the forum, typing, you know, messages. And in one of his messages, uh, somebody asked him and showed him the picture of the six foot uh, wolf man. And the Dracula goes, you know, it's funny. I ordered the Dracula. I wonder what the six foot uh, wolf man was. <laughs> and then um, th this guy, you know, answered, my buddy answered him and said, I ordered the Wolfman, and he says, and I ordered it, and when I got it, all I got was a big poster of a large face of, uh, <laughs> what do you call it, a life-size face, basically, of uh, Lon Chaney. Oh, wow. And then I realized that when you look at the ads from Honor House, the Wolfman is only pictured the top of his head. In other words, <laughs> the, they, what they meant life-size was that the face was life-size. Oh, not oh, a man. poster. And then I, I realized that because, you know, since I do have a pretty large collection of Honor House original stuff, one of the Honor House things that I have uh, is a letter one of the customers sent in. Uh, this was given to me by Mr. Wagman. And um, the letter stated that they had ordered the six-foot submarine. And I mean, I'm sorry, they had ordered the Sherman tank and they were sent the submarine. So the guy was returning the submarine because he was pissed off that they had improvised, you know. And what I'm saying by this is most mail order companies, if you ordered whatever product in a comic and they didn't have it in stock, mm -hmm. they would just send you something in, in, in place of that. And that happened to me, if I remember, about three to four times, especially with Johnson Smith. They mm -hmm. just sent you something totally different from what you ordered. Uh, and because of that, you know, um, the reason I'm, I'm telling you and going around telling all this story is that is if you look at the ads, and this isn't to try to answer the question of why I think the ad from Honor House, the Haunted House ad, might have an error in it, is because, again, when people read the story of the monster-sized monsters, the seven-foot plastic Frankenstein with Boney the Skeleton ad from comic books, uh, it, the word awful is spelled A-W-E-F-U-L. Which is spelled wrong, and it was spelled like that originally by the Johnson Smith Company. Because, uh, like I, I spoke to Craig, Craig, that mistake, uh, you can tell Honor House copy and paste it. Now, of course, at that time, you don't copy and paste, you actually cut out or <laughs> mm -hmm. you typeset the thing. Or copy. Right. Uh, it, there's no computers in 1968. <laughs> no, so the thing is, they're, they're what they used to be called this old typesetting machines which were very barbaric. It was like typewriters and, and you would use, and then they would paste up everything and they make copies of that. But, and, and I know this because I actually did my very first catalog in, in 1984, 85 that way, because at that time there were still no computers, you know? And um, the, the point I was trying, in fact, um, what I'm trying to say is that it, there's a possibility that the guy, now that, that is a lot of talking to get to one statement, there's a possibility the guy who wrote the ad for the mystery bank 
might have somehow mistaken the ghost for a hand. Uh -huh. Maybe he just wrote the ad based because the measurements for that are identical to the Haunted House Mystery Bank that has a ghost coming out to the door that has been, which this is kind of funny, in 1995 or 96, when I was looking for that bank, I used to use a, an old magazine called Toy Shop Magazine or Toy Shop News, where it's where people traded collectibles and bought collectibles and you would send away, you know, and the people ran ads in there selling uh, antique dealers. You know, this is like a flea market in a newspaper. Mm -hmm. Anything you look for, you have to go through all the microscopic wording to see if somebody <laughs> had it. And I could not find that bank anywhere. Since eBay came around, I've, I've actually bought and sold over six, seven of them. Wow. And in my possession right now, I have eight and I have two in the original box. And what I've learned to do is I've learned to take them apart and fix them up and make them, you know, work when they're not changed the motor on it. I've become pretty good with that particular bank. You got pretty proficient. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in fact, I've been trying in my back of my mind. I've, I've told David a couple of times we should actually put it out. Uh, it's very easy. I do have one that I bought uh, that was really all screwed up and stuff so that I can break apart to be able to reproduce. Yeah. But what I'm saying with that particular bank, even though it sells for two, three, four hundred dollars still in the box and everything, um, what I want to tell you is that the purchase of so many banks was, in fact, the reason uh, I did so was trying to find that original bank. And then when I saw how many different versions were out there, I wanted to get all of them. If you if you copy what I'm saying, um, Jason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now that you see the bank, Jason, if you can do any search or anybody out there that's listening, if you have heard of the Haunted House Mystery Bank that a hand comes out. Now, I'm not talking about the rectangular, small, wind-up version that's called the Mystery Bank. Uh, I'm looking for one that's just like exactly like the Ghost Bank. It's made of tin litho. Tin is, of course, the metal, the 1970s, where everything was printed in metal. Um with the plastic top, but supposedly a hand comes out the door. Uh, that version is, if it does exist. Now, I think I can justify this, what I'm about to say, that I think it was, it it, it, it gravitates with all the the years. That, and I'm talking about, you know, Jason, when I, when I went into something, looking for something, I spent weeks and weeks and mm -hmm. hundreds of dollars looking for this. Like I would make phone calls all over the map. And I could tell you through flea markets, through people online, I've spoken to everybody to know that I do have, like I said, those two people that verified that it did exist. So that's why it kind of never closed. I never had closure with it. Mm -hmm. But I'm also bound to kind of believe that it might be possible that people think it was a hand and, and that reading that ad, that it was actually put in there by mistake. It could be. Um, what kind of threw me off is when Monster Bob from Universal Army verified that he had it. Uh, but I'm thinking because, you know, Bob is up in age. He's probably in his late 80s if he's even still alive today. And when he told me that, you know, 
I think it was diabetic and stuff. What I'm saying is he could have been thinking of the hand bank that you wind up mm-hmm. or he could have been thinking of the one that I have that a hand comes out of the chimney and it is battery operated. Um, and that's why he said he had it. The only thing is the guy in the hospital was in his 40s, a young guy, which unfortunately he passed away too because it was kind of crazy. He was going to bring it to me from Puerto Rico, but oh my, I, I always uh, there's always this wall I, I encounter uh, when I'm getting close to something and then you know it doesn't get through there. But um, the universe doesn't want you to have it. No, yeah, you're not, but, you're not uh, meant to get that, Eddie. Face it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the point is that I am the two things I really there's there's three or four things in my life that probably would make me fulfilled as a collector or you know the that if i were to find i would probably never need to find anything else again but then again that's what we say until we come across something they think oh yeah one is i have the the original ghost that i ordered as a kid was from honor house the seven foot monster ghost and i still adore that ad even though it's the most simplistic ad it's a beautiful ad, yeah. I, yeah, the, but the Honor House one is not like the Melting Company. They shows the monster face, and mm. you know the monster face is really more elaborate. The Melting Company is probably the second most famous ad, but mm-hmm. been the Johnson myth. But the Honor House was a very simple line art. But I think when it wrote itself, I, I mean, when they wrote it, and, and, you know, and I can tell you right off the bat that it, it read like this: "Scared the daylights out of your victim as this terrifying life-size ghost hovers and darts over him." Can be controlled up to fifty feet away, so you can hide watching your victim. I love that when, when they said when they said you control, there was always a threat. It was, but my favorite part is where it said complete instructions included. Yeah. I thought the instructions included was like some secret uh, yeah. device. But you know what, though, you see how I memorized it. That's how much I used to love that ad. Oh, yeah. It was the first thing I ever ordered in 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 products in the mail. Is what made me a collector. I still have the original sheet and I still have the original plastic string that came with it. Wow. Cool. The ghost face Casper balloon popped. So <laughs> I do not have that. But what I don't have are the original instructions because I had them and somehow either in the 1995 fire I had, they disappeared. Or when I was a kid, it was thrown out. I remember that it was a simple piece of paper, eight and a half by 11. It was now landscape. You know, when you turn it sideways, landscape. And it had in one side the instructions on how to put it together, which I still kind of remember, which was bizarre. would tell you to make a hole in the center of the sheet and stick the balloon right through it. And I remember thinking, wow, that only makes it about four feet tall. Maybe when it's off the ground, why did they say seven feet, right? Which you, you, you're not supposed to do that to the ghost. But anyway, the other side had a rocking chair in front of a half lit room. It's kind of like a room in a daylight, but it's a dark room. And it has a white shade. Okay. I still remember it. And the shade draped all the way from, not a shade, like a, a curtain, a white curtain. And the ghost was between the curtain and the rocking chair. Yeah. And it showed a ghost, kind of like a, a bedsheet ghost type of like that. And it looked creepy, but it didn't have a face on it. So the point I'm trying to say is, whatever they used for that sheet, that ghost thing, it was embedded in my mind to this day. And I would do anything to find those instructions, at least a copy of those instructions. 
Mm-hmm. I do know that when I went to Honor House and stuff, they looked for it. They, the guy in the warehouse, um, you know, that was there at the time that gave me all the Frankensteins and stuff. He said, Eddie, I looked back there. There's nothing left. And I even asked Wagman and he checked. I said, Wagman, do you have the ghost left? I really need the instructions. <laughs> He's still, so <laughs> if I could find the things that I want, the thing I want the most, obviously, are the seven foot robot plants, which obviously take a drink. Disa- disappeared from the, yeah, take a drink, you're right. <laughs> disappeared from the face of, of time. Yeah. Second thing would be the Otter House Monster Ghost ad. Or in fact, any monster ghost that was sold because there were a couple of different companies out there i would definitely be interested in but the other thing would be the obviously the bank which uh the haunted house mystery bank with the hand which apparently uh, i'm still debatable on that existing now i do know as a fact because uh, the guy from uh the unknown primate i don't want to use his real name in case you know the family but he sent me um, a photograph of his poster that he received for the life-size uh, Wolfman, which mm-hmm. I was able to obtain myself. I bought it on eBay years ago. So the life, the six-foot Wolfman, as you were lured, or you were, they lured, they lured you in to believe it existed, never did. Never existed. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's the way on our house. But they always put the, the dragon and say life-size monsters. Yeah. And people fell for it. And, you know, what are kids going to do? They're going to go and give a bad rating. How are they going to do yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, we're going to. So one hey, way. How, how are we doing on time, Eddie? It's good. Uh, we have a few extra minutes. We have about four or five minutes left. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, uh, uh, the only battery toys I have, which is, you know, I did put some on Chuck's Corner or like character ones. I have I have the Charlie Weaver one that mixes the drink. He drinks it. His face turns red. Smoke comes out of his ears. I have, uh, there's a there's a secretary that types. Things of that nature. You know what? And I know exactly what you're saying, Eddie, because these things, when I bought them years ago, they were in good condition, great condition, but they didn't work. And nine times out of 10, it's just a loose wire or there's a, a frozen motor that if you spray some WD-40 on it, we, you know, once you pull the tabs off of the tin part and you open it up, and if you if you put batteries in, you spray the motor and just give it a push, it'll 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 work. You know what I mean? Or there's a loose wire, maybe a bad switch or something like that. You know, because they're old and they just sat dormant for 30, 40 years in somebody's closet. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. One of the things I want to say is I'm actually a friend of mine is actually trying to fix for me right now. One of the original laughing bags. It's from the 1950s, early 50s. Oh, that's the one with the record inside, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but he's trying because I think the motor froze. So he told me he was going to replace the motor for me. Yeah. But, um, you know, you say the WD-40. I don't think it worked there. That's how old it is. But Yeah, I, yeah sometimes when they're that old, they just crumble. Things just crumble. Yeah. You know, well, you Bakelite light doesn't last forever. No. <laughs> yeah, well, th- that's the thing with the Adams Family Thing Bank. You could have one original in the box. The problem is that if you let it sit, mm-hmm. it's, it, it dies on its own. Uh, there's yeah. a gear there that just will yeah. break off. Yeah, or there's an O-ring. Sometimes there's rubber O-rings mm-hmm. that go on the spindle of the of the motor, and it goes to another uh, type of a pulley, and those things will dry rot, you know, instantly. I mean, yeah. it doesn't take long at all. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way. I actually have, I was able to get, well, I was going to get, I never did. There was a, a robot out of, the only robot that Italy ever made in the 1950s was called Nando. 
and it was a pneumatic robot that had a little bulb and you squeeze air into it. Uh, and it, the problem with those robots is that there's none working because of the years um, the bulb inside destroys. I, I could have bought one for $478 on eBay one time. Again, my wife, just like I could have bought the original Super uh, uh, Spider-Man comic book number one for 370 bucks. <laughs> wow. She did not let me. I had it in my hand. The comic book store in 1986 says to me, you can have it, Eddie. I'll give it to you for 370 whatever. She did not let me buy it. Uh, I, I'm sorry. This wasn't 1986. This was 1997. Wow. 1997. And, uh, of course, eBay wasn't that popular. So people and the guy goes, Eddie, it's a number one. I took it out. He goes, it's in almost mint condition. He says he had it for, I think, 700 bucks. He goes, since you always, if you want, I'll give it to you for 370. Oh, my. And she didn't let me buy it. And um, then she didn't let me buy the Nando robot. The problem with the Nando robot is one recently sold for $14,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you can, Nando. It's a little metallic mm. robot. It's about eight inches. And I was getting one inside the box for for that price, 400 oh, and something. And, and what I'm saying is because I won the auction, and then she made me renege on it, and I got in trouble with eBay. But I, <laughs> I won the auction for 470 on the robot. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things out there, guys, that, People don't realize, but there is a lot of nice things out there. But you know, what, Jason. Hey, that's pretty sad that Italy just made one robot. Oh my goodness! Mm -hmm. No, that wasn't. They didn't really make anything more. That was the only toy they ever did. But wow. here's the thing, uh, Jason. I'm going to give you a task out there because <laughs> yeah, you got your work cut out for you, Jason. If you find anything related to the seven foot ghost. Yep. Be, be careful because you can actually wind up back to me somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, all, all the it's like if you search for Icondo now, everything leads back to me. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's funny. I actually, I, and I told the story. Now, we, we have only we have a, like a minute and a half. I told the story really quick about this, but I at one time placed an order for the seven foot robot plants that I thought I had found, and as soon as I placed the order, I hear my phone go beep, <laughs> <laughs> and I go what? Yeah. And I forgot I had run an ad in Fiverr that was, I used that image and I thought it was somebody selling it. And I, well, anyway, that's funny. Listen, guys, uh, again, I, I, we, we're running out of time right now. We have about 40 seconds. I want to tell everybody, thank you out there for listening to us. Please tune in to house of the unusual.com. There's going to be a lot of new changes, including the format of our podcast. Our podcast starting June 1st is going to be aired totally different. It's going to be a whole different uh, setup. And I'm also going to be trying to do some reviews of toys where I can actually bring out and show you guys what I'm talking about with the different banks and stuff. I might just have a whole collection of them and show them on video. So stay tuned to the YouTube channel for latest events on that. And also stay tuned as Jason continues to build his karate network. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So having said that, God bless. Take care. Until the next time. Okay. Take Thanks, care. Eddie. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Chuck. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.